Lord God, we just thank you for your word, and Lord, we thank you for your servants who open themselves to your word, who love your word, who study your word, and Lord, allow you to speak through them. So Lord, today we just open our hearts and minds, and um, look forward to how you're going to further equip us to resist evil in this world. So Lord, we just um, thank you for Drew, and thank you for his word this morning, in your name. Amen. Amen. Uh, Naomi, just a word of encouragement for you. Um, God really loves it when you're vulnerable. Um, and shaving your head's a very vulnerable act. Yeah. So I think God's really going to bless uh, your fundraiser. Um, yeah. So yeah, we'll just pray for blessings on that. Kira, can I please have my water bottle? I've got to bring it up. Uh, so I've got, I've got some good news and I've got some bad news today. Um, and so it's kind of a choose-your-own-adventure. So do you want the bad news first? Or do you want the good news first? That's, that's what I thought. Swallow the frog, as they say. Uh, yeah, so the bad news is we have a spiritual enemy. Um, yes, boo. He sucks. He, he sucks a lot. Um, now, the Bible refers to him as Satan or the devil or the thief. Now, I'm going to be using the language of Satan today because um, I'm trying to follow Jesus, and it's the language that Jesus uses. Um, you know, those who know me well have probably heard me say that I, I don't know if I believe that Satan is a literal being, uh, but I've changed my position, and that position is I don't know. Um, and I, I don't care, uh, because Jesus is so much bigger anyway. Um, yeah, so biblical authors like to use uh, terms, so like Satan, that kind of personifies this idea of spiritual evil and makes it easier for us to understand. Um, and so... That's the language I'm going to be using today. If you're not comfortable with that, that's fine. You can call him whatever you want. Um, but the point is, uh, we have a spiritual enemy, and the Bible calls him Satan. Um, he's also not this like red beast that's depicted in the media either. That's not a, not a biblical depiction. So, to repeat, Satan sucks. Um, and, and we live in a world that's uh, either... It's not really convinced that the spiritual exists. And so, by extension of that... They also don't believe that spiritual evil necessarily exists. Or they go to the opposite extreme. They're too obsessed with spiritual evil that it controls their life. Um, I just think it's around every corner. It's out to, out to get them in every circumstance and in every situation. Neither is a good option. Uh, C.S. Lewis, in the preface to his book, The Screwtape Letters, uh, he writes, there are two and equal opposite errors into which humans can fall about Satan and evil. One is to disbelieve in its existence. The other is to believe and to feel an, ex an, an excessive and unhealthy interest in it. They, that mean being Satan and the spiritual realm, are equally pleased by both errors and they treat a materialist, that being someone who only believes in the physical and or a magician with the same delight. So meaning Satan doesn't care whether you don't believe in him or you're obsessed with him because he's got you anyway. Um, He's, if you don't believe in him, he's free to attack you. And if you're so obsessed with him, he's got you living in fear. Um, and that's exactly what he wants. And 1 John 4.18 tells us that there's no fear in love. But perfect love drives out all fear. So if we have the love of Jesus, we have nothing to fear. So Satan sucks. He's really weak. And he's really weak because of the good news. And the good news is that the kingdom of God is here. How good is that? The kingdom of God, if, if you're not familiar with the term, it's the rule and reign of God here on earth. 
uh, it was actually the first words of Jesus once he started his ministry. Change your life. The kingdom of God is here. Now, it's, it's, it's this really weird thing in that it, it is both here and it is not yet, uh, meaning that the rule and reign of God has come to earth in the life, death, resurrection, ascension of Jesus, but it has not yet reached its completion. So what does this look like in practice? So there's a person in my church, um, their brother and parents have not been on speaking terms for a number of years now. And the family's been praying for reconciliation, uh, waiting, waiting to see a change, and, and just had no success. I remember being in their small group last year and praying into the situation and them not seeing any, um, any breakthrough with it. And literally just this week, uh, the church that Kira and I are going to, um, we decided to try a fast together uh, from uh, after dinner on Tuesday uh, until dinner time on Wednesday. And so we get a text message from this, this person and say, I just sent a text message to my brother. Uh, my dad's going to Melbourne, where my brother lives, and I just suggested that they should try and catch up. And she gets a reply from her brother. I'll think about it. And so, you know, the church community gathers together and prays and intercedes on their behalf. We get a text message the next morning. My brother and father are going to have dinner tonight. Praise God. Like, encourage, like, there's something happening. That's so good. But we believe in God for more, so we kept praying. Get a text message the next morning. They had a really great dinner. My brother and his partner are coming up for Christmas to spend Christmas with us in Sydney. Like, that's so good. Praise God. The kingdom of God is here. But... What does it look like when it, in, in the not yet? So for those who are familiar with my story, know that my family is quite a broken family. I've been praying for a really long time for reconciliation. And I also haven't seen a breakthrough in that yet. Or at least not in the way that I want to see it. Um, and so in those situations, you know, when we see the kingdom breakthrough in someone's life, we celebrate and praise God with them. And then when we don't, we weep and we continue to pray with them. You know, that's the partial response to that. It's not that God's kingdom isn't advancing, it is. Um, it's just that sometimes, because it's here and not yet, it's, it's this really weird thing and I, I, I don't have a perfect explanation for it. <clears throat> so recently at work, we've had um, some kookaburras come and roost or nest, I don't know what the term is, um, underneath the gutters of our, of our building. And one of these kookaburras likes to... Um, perch on the fence outside my office window and he just sits as kookaburras often do very still just watching the garden looking for worms and things to pop up out of the ground and we'll just dive down and eat them it's beautiful to watch but we've also had minor birds that have been living in the area for a lot longer and so for those who are familiar minor birds are very territorial and vicious vicious things um, I remember when we lived at Blacktown behind our apartment I was at home one day and just heard this really awful noise and there was just this whole flock of minor birds attacking this poor pigeon. And it's like I tried to run out and shoot them away but they'd come back and, you know, they weren't so, um, weren't so tough when I came across them at a roundabout uh, later on. <laughs> I mean, they, they, they flew away but, you know. And, and so I'm, I'm sitting there, and this kookaburra is on the fence at work, and I see these minor birds come up. I'm like, oh, great, this is going to be just like this pigeon. It's going to be this awful thing. And these minor birds are swooping and trying to move this kookaburra on, 
And this kookaburra is just sitting there, just in the completely unfazed, just with this quiet confidence that he's doing exactly what he's supposed to be doing and that he's where he's supposed to be. Had this real quiet strength about him. And I decide to watch a bit closer, and these minor birds don't actually make contact with this kookaburra. They just get as close as they can, make a lot of noise, and they fly away. And I think that's an amazing image for what we're talking about today, in that, because you can't really talk about evil without talking about the kingdom of God, I think. And Satan likes to make a lot of noise, makes us like to think that he's powerful. And like, like I said, he's actually not. Like, he, like the minor birds, he actually has to gang up on us to really get anywhere. And so in this image, the kookaburra is like the kingdom of God. The kingdom has advanced into the minor birds' territory. And of course, Satan doesn't like that. So they go on the attack, and that is to be expected. So Satan hates it when the kingdom advances in his ter- into his territory. And the Bible refers to his territory as the powers of the unseen world and that he is the spirit at work in the hearts of those who refuse to obey God. That's from Ephesians chapter 2, verses 1 to 2. And then in Ephesians 6, we're reminded that we are not fighting against flesh and blood enemies, but against evil rulers and authorities of the unseen world and against mighty powers in this dark world and against evil spirits in heavenly places. But God is the creator and king of the universe. And so, naturally, he is infinitely more powerful, infinitely stronger than Satan. Um, And when Jesus ministered to us on earth, died, resurrected, and ascended, he rescued us from the dominion of darkness and transferred us into the kingdom of the son he loves. How good is that? God is infinitely stronger, and that is the confidence we need to lean into. As it says in Hebrews 11, verse 1, Faith shows the reality of what we hope for. It's the evidence of the things we cannot see. So, Satan sucks, he's weak, but he is crafty. So, how, how is he crafty? So, one of the only ways that he can attack us is that he loves to make us doubt our identity, our purposes, and our experiences. So, that's... That's what he loves to do. He loves to deceive. So John 10.10, the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. He loves to make us doubt our beliefs and believe our doubts. And we see this in Genesis, in chapter 3, when he appears to Adam and Eve in the form of a serpent. You know, and he says, did God really say, you will not die if you eat, from the, eat the fruit from the tree of knowledge of good and evil? Did he, did he actually say that? Are you sure he said that? No, surely, surely not. Surely you won't die if you eat this fruit. And friends, we are in excellent company because he also tried to deceive Jesus. Um, Before Jesus started his ministry, Jesus goes into the desert for 40 days and 40 nights where he is tempted um, by Satan. So if Jesus got deceived and got tempted, we can expect the same thing. Um, you know, and, and with Jesus, you know, he, he tries to play at Jesus' ego. He says, if you truly were the Son of God, then you would order these rocks to turn into bread. If you truly were the Son of God, then you would throw yourself off this building and command the angels of heaven to catch you. So it's like, he tried it with Jesus. He's going to try it with you too. Now, you've all just come out of the Holy Spirit weekend. 
and from what I witnessed through the live stream and what I've been told, it was, it was quite a powerful weekend and, and the Spirit moved. And when the Spirit moves, that's obviously a sign that the kingdom is advancing, right? And so it reminds Satan just how weak he is and how much territory he is losing. And so the only tool that he has, or one of the only tools, is to make you doubt the experiences that you had last weekend. You know, and I, like I, I have experienced this myself, and those who, who have been journeying with me for a while know that, you know, at the end of 2012, finished the discipleship school as a student, was really on fire for Jesus, and really passionate about, you know, trying to see his kingdom advance wherever God sent me. Just very eager to serve and further his kingdom. And then uh, Damien's here. He was one of the students in 2013, the very first week. Uh, oh, and Sarah, yeah, but she wasn't on that pub run, so... Um, yeah, we, we were taking the, the students out on their first pub run and I'd been studying theology and was probably feeling too good about myself. Um, and, you know, the, the group was feeling confident enough to go off on their own and I thought, sweet, this will be a quick night. I'll go do my half and go stand outside and wait for them. And they just took a really long time. I was like, I better go check up on them. And they're sitting down having this really lively conversation with a group of guys um, at a table and I'd already started to doubt some things through my study. And the guy I started talking to was able to sort of just sum up my doubts in a sentence in a way that I hadn't been able to uh, articulate yet. Um, and I, I really feel like it was the enemy. At the time, I didn't. But looking back now, I really think it was the enemy sort of attacking me, trying to convince me that, you know, my doubts are true um, and that I should believe them. And so, and so this really shook me. Um, you know, and those who went through the school in 2013 just saw just the pain and anguish I went through. Um, and that's not to say all doubts are created equal. Like, you know, I think some are genuine and, and the other, some are from Satan. But we need, we need to test them whenever we have them. And so, yeah, it just really made me doubt everything that I experienced the year before. It made me doubt my purpose, my identity in Jesus. And it was exhausting. And the reason was because the kingdom was advancing in my life. And that God was going to use me, and Satan didn't want that. So whenever the kingdom advances in a way like it does following the Holy Spirit weekend, or any other spiritual experience you may have, Satan goes on the attack or defense to try to make background. So don't doubt your experiences, whatever they may be. The other way that he loves to attack us is he loves to tempt us. That's another way that he deceives us. So often the temptation uh, comes after being deceived. So he makes you doubt a particular thing and then tries to convince you to give in to a particular temptation in your life or a particular vice. And I've shared in the past here that mine, you know, I, I struggled with problematic porn use for quite some time. Um, and that's one of the, the ways that Satan has loved to tempt me. Um, particularly when I have had quite a powerful spiritual experience, which is a really odd thing, um, to be immediately tempted with afterwards. And he knows it's a great way to attack me because he knows that I have control issues when it comes to God. So I love to be in control of my life and really struggle with surrender and letting God lead in my life. And so, you know, when he, when he tempts me and I give in, you know, I'm, I'm giving myself over to evil in my life. And that, like, I know that's really strong language, but that's, that's what it is. And it's also through temptation and through these vices that we have, it's a way that Satan can cause greater destruction in our lives. You know, if I was to continue down the path I was going, 
you know, that could lead to a destruction of my marriage and relationship with Kira, which God doesn't want, but it is what Satan wants. And thankfully, I've been, you know, walking in freedom from that problem for quite some time, which is fabulous. Um, now, I do just want to make a distinction here that temptation is not a, is not a sin. Temptation is normal. Like, we can't avoid it. Like, sure, you cannot put yourself in particular situations to be tempted, but we are going to be tempted. It's just something we have to learn to live with. Um, but it, it in of itself is not a bad thing. And this is one of the, the big learning lessons for me in sort of trying to overcome my problematic porn use is that I don't have to give in to a temptation just because I'm having a temptation. It actually holds no power over me. Um, I, I'm, I'm not obliged to. But Satan loves to trick us. It's the only way out of that temptation is to give into it. And so it's only when we give in that it then becomes a sin. And of course, when we give in, the whole the whole cycle starts again, because um, we because he loves to steal, kill, and destroy. And so when we give in, we feel really crappy, and then we just turn to those temptations again. So it's like he, he can get a real grip on us if we, if we get into a really bad spiral um, with those vices in our life. But, so like I've shared that passage from John 10.10, 10, the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy, but the second half of that is Jesus saying, I've come to give you life and life in fullness. And so let's believe Jesus for that promise, um, that Jesus wants us to live a rich and full life. And I don't mean like money rich, I mean spiritually rich. So those temptations hold no power. And like the kookaburra, we can have the quiet confidence that we are backed by the kingdom. Uh, so 1 Corinthians 10.13 says, The temptations in your life are no different from what others experience. And God is faithful. He will not allow the temptation to be more than you can stand. When you are tempted, he will show you a way out so that you can endure. Now, I'm supposed to be talking about how to resist evil. And... Uh, if you look at the Alpha Notes, there's some really great tips there on, you know, reading your Bible, praying, serving, um, you know, writing down the promises of God for your life. But as I was preparing this sermon, I really felt the Spirit of God present. And what, he, what I feel like he was saying is, like, why resist when you can go on the attack? So what a continuation from last week it would be, where we had a, a, an encounter with the Holy Spirit again, where the authority given to you is released. Um, through the power of the Holy Spirit. And so in Luke chapter 10, verses 18 to 19, and I'll get the band back up now, please. Um, so I'm combining two verses here, Luke 10, 18 to 19, and Matthew 10, 1. Jesus says, Yes, I saw Satan fall from heaven like lightning. Look, I've given you authority over all the power of the enemy to cast out demons and to heal the sick. So all authority has been given to us over the power of the enemy. And so what I think... Um, the Spirit is wanting to do this morning is, is wanting to release that authority in the room um, to yeah, take control over the power of the enemy, um, to cast it out. You know, Gary was saying last week that Australia needs a radical transformation of Jesus. And that is not going to happen if we don't go out into our communities and into our cities. Now, I'm not talking about just going out and telling people about Jesus. That's important. But what if instead of doing evangelism, we were bringing life to our communities? 
And so, again, um, in the community I'm a part of, there's these two families that have moved into the same street. And they've just befriended all of their neighbors. And they just invite them into their life and just share everything with them. And then they just, hey, do you want to study the Bible with us? And then, you know, all those people said yes, and now they've got like a Thursday afternoon Bible study. But it all started by sharing their life with them. And I've, I've fallen into this trap of where I feel like I need to sell Jesus. And I, like, I was a terrible salesman. I worked at Dick Smith, and people would come in for a product, and if I thought they could get it cheaper elsewhere, I'd send them elsewhere. I, if a product's good, it's going to sell itself. Um, and Jesus, Jesus will sell himself. Um, so what if instead of trying to sell Jesus, we just share Jesus? Um, and, and the difference between that is it's like sharing Jesus, it's like God's given us his money. And we're carrying it around. We don't get to spend it on ourselves, but we get to share it with everyone. He wants us to share his gifts. Because like the best way to resist evil and to attack evil as it says in Romans 12, is to not overcome evil by evil, but overcome evil by good. Now, having been a part of Long Jetty Salvos for a while, we talk a lot about revival, and particularly revival on the Central Coast. Beautiful vision, definitely something that God is doing. And all revival is, it's just God's kingdom advancing in a really powerful and obvious way. But we, we do not advance the kingdom but we are to announce the kingdom. So our problem isn't that revival isn't happening. It already is. But we need to be released. We need to release this movement of people, this spirit-filled people that I know you guys to be, to go into our cities, to go into Long Jetty, to go into whatever community you live in, to go into your workplaces. People who are released to stand in the gap, meet a need, pray for healing, pray for situations, seek justice, love mercy. It's like God is wanting us to be participants in his story, not just volunteers in his church. And so we have been given authority to restrain evil and release good. An authority that will cause the earth to come alive. So Satan may be the prince of the world, but God is the creator and king of the universe. It is his rule and reign on this earth. He is building his church. He's building his kingdom. It is advancing. And he's handing us the keys. And the gates of hell will not overcome it. So let's, instead of waiting for God to do things for us, let's get in the trenches and do things with him. You know, like the kookaburra, we just go wherever God sends us. We'll come under attack, but we can have the confidence that we are on the side of the kingdom. And that really like Satan knows that he has no power and so all he does is just make a bunch of noise that's the only thing he can do so let's just go about our business let's just live in the authority that we have received from him all authority has been given to us so that's what I feel like the Spirit's leading us to this morning so what I'm going to do is I'm going to pray um, for us I'm just going to pray that that authority be released we'll sing a little bit and then um, I'm just going to ask that if anyone has a need a situation that they need prayer for need prayer for healing uh, same goes for the people on the live stream by the way uh, the Holy Spirit can move through technology 
um, Pentecost last year, I had a really powerful encounter with the Holy Spirit at my dining table through Zoom. Um, so if you've got a need on the live stream that you need prayer for, pop it in the chat. And then I've already organized if a few people can actually um, pray for those needs here this morning. Um, yeah, so if you have a need, um, once we're sung a little bit, I'm going to ask you to just sort of raise your hand. and I'm going to ask people to gather around you and pray for that. Because I really believe that God wants to have his kingdom breakthrough this morning um, and bring healing um, to us. So come Holy Spirit. Help us to live in the authority given to us to bind evil, to cast out evil, to heal the sick. Lord, give us the strength and the confidence to walk in that authority. Let us recognize that there is no place that we can walk into where we do not have authority. Any situation where we do not have authority, God. Just pray for a release of that this morning, a, a fresh release of your Holy Spirit. Fill us to overflowing, God, so that we just can't help but share you. Help us to get out of the mind frame of selling you and into the mind frame of sharing you. Yeah, so come Holy Spirit.